This podcast is made possible by the generous contributions from listeners just like you. If you have the means and you'd like to contribute, click on the link in the show description to go to my supporter page. Once you're there, it's completely up to you how much you'd like to give. There's no minimum and no maximum and no ongoing charges. Enjoy this episode and thanks for listening to The Saturday Quiz. Welcome to another episode of The Saturday Quiz, the podcast where I ask the questions and my guests try to come up with the answers. My name's John Leary and both guests joining me this week are no strangers to quizzes, given that one of them hosts the TV show Mastermind, while the other is the host of Celebrity Letters and Numbers. Nor are they strangers to podcasts in general, with both of them managing to segue from podcasts to our screens, with one of them transforming his award-winning Stuff the British Stole into a riveting six-part TV series hitting screens on the 1st of November, while the other showed his competitive spirit against his fellow Triple J host to participate in Australia's Best Competition Competition, which was on ABC TV Plus on Thursday, but which you can watch right now on iView. Welcome to the show, Mark Fennell and Michael Hing. Incredible. What an incredible, um, uh, thorough introduction. I don't think I've ever been on a podcast. I wasn't like, I don't know, it's Hing. He's here. Also, Fennell's here. Whatever. Very well, professional. Well, yeah, you know. Uh, you were this far away from reading out our LinkedIn profiles. <laughs> <laughs> Having you both on the show right now, tell me about your TV shows. So, Hing, yours has already aired. Mm-hmm. So, why don't you go first? Oh, sure. Okay. Well, it's called Australia's Best Competition Competition. It is a competition to find Australia's best competition. <laughs> now, obviously, in Australia, there's every town has their own weird little competition they they run. Whether it's you know wood chopping at the at the at the um, show, at the Ecker, yeah, the Ecker, for example, or um, you know, it might be a drag race meet. It might be um, for Sydney the Archibald Prize. So, my radio co-host Lewis Hopper and I traveled around Australia. Basically, we started saying we're going to try and win something, anything. We want to enter as many competitions as we can and just try and win something. And just competing in things that you weren't necessarily skilled at. We've never trained at before. We're just giving it a go. Now, a couple of competitions in, we realized we're not going to win anything. Um, <laughs> because it turns out people actually take these things very seriously and train quite a lot. Um, and so we switched it. We did the old classic switcheroo to save our egos. And we said we'd run our own competition to find Australia's best competition. So now look, we, we're no longer being judged. We're the ones judging. It's like, it's like the chair turning around and the voice. That's what they yes. did. They pivoted. <laughs> yeah. Like, Basically. oh, we have no power, but what if we take the power and yes. judge these events? <laughs> and then we, we went to the win. ABC and said, hey, we have this great idea for a TV show. And, and we said, hey, we think because it's on Triple J, we might get some people who watch it who are under the age of 60. And they said, <laughs> Wow, this is a rogue decision for us, but we might try it. Um, so it is yeah. available uh, now on iView. It's called Australia's Best Competition Competition. Excellent. And Mark Vanell, Stuff the British Stole, which has had two seasons as a podcast. Is yep. that correct? Yeah, yeah, two seasons as a podcast. And now a, a television show that sent me all around the world to basically do my best to get kicked out of the UK. Um, so basically in museums and galleries all around the world, there's a bunch of stolen things. And I I joke that the show is Indiana Jones in reverse. You know, Indiana Jones goes around the world and says, it belongs in a museum. And then I come along, this 
weird chubby brown Australian and goes, yeah, but does it? Like, does it really? <laughs> uh, and so I start, the very first episode, I start in London. I start at the at the Tower of London and there's, <laughs> looking at Crown Jewels and going, was this stolen? And actually, as it turns out, it's very complicated. And so the show takes <laughs> you from, you know, Scotland to uh, Israel and Palestine to China and all of these different places. It's a wild, wild adventure that's sort of, you know, on some levels, it, it, it's really fun. And on another level, it's also kind of sad because you are dealing with things that are basically taken. Uh, and also the history is often really messy, like really, really, really messy. So it is, if, if not Indiana Jones in reverse, it's also a little bit Dora the Explorer as well. <laughs> right. Did you get to actually travel around the world, Mark? Which is Yeah, I don't know how I, that, that's why nobody has budgets at the ABC because <laughs> they sent me to do this thing. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, on this season of the podcast, I've been asking my guests if they have a favourite piece of trivia. Do either of you have a favourite piece of trivia? Well, Mark, as someone who hosts a trivia <laughs> show, yeah. I imagine... You would either have one thing that you love from all of the people who questions, or your mind would be so jam packed full of things that it would all just pass over you like like a, like tears in the rain, and yeah. it all just gets lost. Or is there something, Mark? Is there something from stuff the British stole that you had to cut out that you think might work as a, a piece of trivia? For First, this? I will say I appreciate Michael Hing as a fellow quiz show host throwing me under the bus there because you know <laughs> that when you make these shows, nothing goes in your head. Like you do you do the business of like, and you've got 13 points and all of the things you said have just gone in one ear and out the other. <laughs> um, <clears throat> stuff the British show is different. It is actually like jam-packed with like weird factoids. And I was like, oh, I've got to find in there my general rule of thumb is like if it's interesting it goes in um the only thing that's coming to my head right now and it's it's sort of a bit non-sequitur is do you know the movie gattaca the ethan hawk yeah. movie it's Acts about of blood and piss in the fridge yep that's the the future. i love that of all the things <laughs> that's what you go with like they should have gone like this movie starring Ethan Hawke, Uma Thurman, and there's some blood and piss in the fridge. Why didn't they go with that with the promo? So I remember that it's a movie about a future where people are, you know, uh, sort of, it's like an apartheid state based on DNA. Mm. And I remember feeling so incredibly proud of myself when I realised that the title of Gattaca is made out of the letters that make up DNA, guadanine, adenine, thionine, and the other one that starts with G or C, whichever one it is. And I remember just being like, oh, they made a title of the movie out of the letters that make up DNA. And I was so proud of myself. And everyone looked at me and went, I don't care. So <laughs> that's, I, I care. Okay, good. I did yeah. not know that. That's did they really? my life as a, as, a, as a movie trivia, a movie reviewer and movie trivia expert, Mark. So I, This is know, true. My, my 15 years as Australia's most listened to film critic, something bedded in. <laughs> Who knew? I love that. Wow. I did wonder where the title came from and what it was, and you've just answered that for me. There you go. I've sufficiently Fantastic. padded out for you, Hing, to come up with something, so off you go. Yeah, come on, Hing. Well, I, I thought I would just uh, name check a competition. Uh, so obviously <laughs> this year we only got to go to ones in Australia. Now, if uh, Ita Butrose, in her infinite wisdom, <laughs> deems to give us a second season, we would love to go global. Now, we, there is precedent for the ABC funding global travel shows, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, my show had to be co-funded by CBC in Canada. Okay. I think it's the only way we did it. Well, I'll get the uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get the producers working on it. So there is a uh, so the competitions obviously all around the world, festivals and whatnot. There's one in Japan that I really would love to go to called Onbashira which is, I think it's about a thousand years old. They only do it every six years. And it is, they have these like 
50 meter logs, these giant 50 meter logs that you ride down a hill. I don't know if you've oh. seen these. Like, are you are you like straddling down a grassy it? hill? A grassy like, hill. There's I, like it's a team of you, and you're just you're just on it. You're riding it like you would ride a horse, oh, like a kind but, of toboggan, yeah, toboggan uh, situation. But the toboggan weighs I don't know, three hundred kilos, and is a, <laughs> is a giant old growth tree. Right, it's this huge tree that they've cut down, and you ride it down the hill, and it looks insane. They only do it every six every six years. Yeah, because you got to um, wait for the tree to grow. Yeah, yeah. I, I assume. I think it's like teens are like six or eight or something. And I'm, I'm getting so many things wrong and I'm so <laughs> sorry to be messing it up. But yeah, it looks so dangerous. Yeah, it's it like the ru- so the incredible. running of the bulls, but you're oh, riding the, the bulls. Running of the trees. And you're all, mm. Yeah, it's the running it's, of the trees. The straddling yeah. of the trunk. <laughs> yes. There yeah, had yeah, to yeah. be a better way of me saying that. <laughs> well, they are two great pieces of trivia. Thank you, guys. We're going to be back with the actual questions right after this. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewellery gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com You're listening to the Saturday Quiz. I'm joined today by Michael Hing and Mark Fennell. We're going to start, as we always do, with question number one. Signet is a name for the young of which animal? And there's a bonus point for naming which Australian state has a town named Signet. Pretty, it's either a swan or a goose, right? I think it's, I think it it's is a swan. swan. It's right. a swan, yes. Yeah. It is swans. Uh, now, a town, with a, a, a state with a town called Signet, I would say, I mean, my guess would be WA because... Swan, swan River. Swans and whatnot. Yeah. Um, swan River. But it also yeah. kind of I mean, feels a bit a... South Australian, though. Just something about it feels a bit South Australian to me. Oh, yeah? Can you put your finger on what about it sounds South Australian? Well, you've, you've, got got imagine, correct, you've, but, got to, you know. you've got to imagine it being said with a South Australian accent. Which is basically oh. like English light. No disrespect. Love my South Australian fam. <clears throat> Gonna be there in a couple of weeks. Uh, <laughs> but no, you're incorrect. It's not South Australia and it's not Western Australia. So oh. you got you've got another state, uh, uh, another couple of states to. Can, uh, can, is it a state or a territory? It is a state. Okay, I did well, say state. I, yep. my next guest was going to be Northern Territory, so I'm glad I did not <laughs> actually put that in as a <laughs> as a thing. Well, uh, I am from New South Wales, and I can't. Think of a town in South Wales that is signet. Good, you you so, are correct. You cannot think. So of let's a go town with in... Victoria. I imagine. No, Tasmania. It is Tasmania. Oh, Very well done, Mark. Nailed yeah. it. I feel such a sense of achievement having gotten that without any working <laughs> any it out out loud at all. At all. Yeah, it's a town in the Huon Valley. Is signet. So yeah. Very and when well I done. say it sounds a little bit South Australian, what I meant to say is it also sounded a little bit Tasmanian. Very yeah. Tasmanian. Well, it just sounds south. I think that's it, what you it were, does. Yeah. What there's, you were hearing. Yeah. There's nothing about that that feels no. northern. Nothing at all. No. Okay. Question number two. Nephrology is a branch of medicine concerned with the diseases of which organ? Nephrology. N e p h r o l o g y. That weird nephew that's growing off the side of you. Nephrology. What would that be? I think. Um. 
maybe nervous system? No, that'd be neurology. Yeah. Um, Come on, you've got parents that are literally doctors. Yeah, but they don't talk to me, Mark. That does, <laughs> no. that information does not pass through the amniotic fluid. Uh, Do they? <laughs> they don't want to be associated with me. <laughs> Do they? Would they maybe talk to you in Greek? Because that would uh, that uh, would help you. No. That's the nephros is the Greek word for this organ. I th- really thought he was about to end that sentence with by telling us the organ. I was like, this is going to be easy. Uh, well, okay. Neff. Oh. It doesn't nef. at all sound like the English word for this organ. No, because right. if it did, okay. we would have got it. You would have got it already, yeah. Very smart, I think. <laughs> I can't even think of other Neff words. It's nephew. Yeah, I don't, I don't just know gonna, if there's a, a relationship between nephew and mm. this Organ? I wouldn't oh, have thought so. Could it be about it's um it's it's an appendage because a, a a like a, a dangling thing? I I don't know what I'm doing. Penis. <laughs> suggesting penis mark. Uh, no, because because <laughs> that would have another word. The Greeks were big on penis words. They're many, right. many okay. I'm going to tell you it's an um, internal organ that yeah. you have two of. Lungs. The other two thing. Kidneys. Testicles. Kidneys. Is it kidneys? Yes. It's kidneys, yeah. Kidneys. You could have kept hinting me and I, oof. Would if never it wasn't have kidneys, got to kidneys, I would have had no idea. <laughs> yeah. Nephros means kidney in Greek. Huh. All right, question number three. Illin pipes are the national bagpipe of which country? Now, Illin is spelt crazily. So it's U-I-L-L-E-A-N-N. Oh, it's, it's, it's either Wales E-A-N-N. or Ireland. N-N. Yeah, I mean, you, you, there's not many countries that are going to have a, a national bagpipe. Yeah, so. honestly, like the moment you said it has 11 million consonants in it, that I was like, well, that just narrows it down, doesn't it? Um, I'm Either Wales or Ireland would be my... You like Wales, probably? No, go the other way. Ireland, oh, Ireland. yeah. Ireland, yeah. yeah. They're yeah. the national bagpipe of Ireland. And Illin, do you know... Well, you're not going to know what Illin means. I'll tell you. Uh-huh. It means elbow. Nice. So they're elbow pipes... Which refers to how it's played because you kind of use both elbows. It's not inflated like the Scottish bagpipes via your breath or your your mouth. Mm. There's like bellows under one of your elbows. For people who can't see us right now, I'm doing the chicken dance. (laughs) Everyone's doing the chicken dance. The the one-sided chicken dance. So you've got bellows, I think, under your right uh, elbow and you've got like the, the bag that you deflate under your left elbow. Mm. Well, there's a lot of overlap there that, like, my grandparents are from Ireland, at least on one side, and there's all all this kind of specific stuff around Irish culture that I think is actually has a lot of overlap with Wales and Scotland, and there are some things that we associate as being, like, iconically Scottish, but actually there's kind of versions of it right throughout the the UK. Yeah. Look at me, Mm. value-adding. Yeah, nice. (laughs) Yeah, things things like kilts and... Yeah, and bagpipes and, you know. Hatred of the English, you know. These are all <laughs> yeah, things all that, that are, i got to um, say, shooting a show called Stuff the British Stole in London, tricky. Shooting a show called Stuff the British Stole in Ireland and Scotland, very easy. Very, <laughs> very easy. They love it there. We did do an object that was taken from Scotland by the English. And somebody made the observation go, well, it's not technically Stuff the British Stole, is it? It's, it's, it's Stuff the English Stole. And then oh, I pointed yeah. out that actually it was stolen back by a group of Scottish students, and at that point, it becomes stuff the British stole. Nice, oh. I see. Lucky for you. Very lucky, because we only discovered it after we had shot. <laughs> <laughs> now, question number four. The American corporation DuPont 
developed which synthetic fibre that became popular during World War II due to the shortage of natural fibres such as silk? I want to say Ooh. polyester. I, yeah, I, that would be my guess. Um, the DuPont chemical is the... I, I, I've heard that referred to. Yeah. But I think mm-hmm. it's probably a plastic material. What else could it be? Pleather? Polyester. Yeah, pleather. But why would ple- why would pleather have been popular at that point? Like polyester, <laughs> you're leaning into the you're leaning into the fifties. Yeah. yeah, look, I, you are kind of correct. It it is a polyester. Oh, but I want a particular. Oh, okay. Is it is it spandex? It's not spandex. No, it's the, um, Could it be oh, spandex? Oh, Has it considered? Um... Has it explored its <laughs> options? <laughs> I think spandex probably. Developed out of this. Oh, this oh ala- um, like oh, elastic. I know this. No, not elastic. It, uh, but just naming again, you're fabrics. all all around it. Yeah. Uh, I'm just I'm just naming fabrics until Hing eventually gets up. Be like, oh, it's it's gone to my do, brain. Do you know anything about the Dupont company? No, I, I feel like somewhere in the history they maybe invented a chemical weapon. But I just think that about all these companies, to be honest. Oh well, they did start as weapons producers, I guess. Dupont right. was founded in 1802. Damn. In Wilmington, Delaware, as a gunpowder mill. Huh. Right. Yeah. And by the mid 19th century, the company had become the largest supplier of gunpowder to the United States military, supplying up to half the powder used by the Union Army during the American Civil War. Yeah. And did they put yeah. any of the gunpowder in the, the, the what, clothes that were No. About? Clothes. <laughs> No, they okay. didn't. DuPont's rapid expansion in the early 20th century generated government scrutiny under the Sherman Antitrust Act, mm-hmm. with the court finding that the company's dominance of the explosives business constituted a monopoly and ordered divestment. So this led to the company's diversifying into materials science. Sure. And hiring 32-year-old Wallace Carruthers to be in charge of organic chemistry at the new DuPont Laboratory for Fundamental Research, he proposed to centre his research on polymerization, the process by which individual short molecules form long-chain macromolecules. Is... So his work on polymers resulted in the invention first of neoprene, a synthetic rubber, and and in 1935, he came up with... Nylon? Nylon is the right answer. Oh, look at you. You know what it was, actually, is because I was trying to remember neoprene. And then you said neoprene, and I was like, well, that's not the answer. Well, it's not that one. And that jogged my memory. (laughs) Brilliant. Well Well done. Well done. Nylon, yeah. And so the first practical application and most enduring was, of course, stockings, which had the added benefit of reducing silk imports into the United States from Japan, with whom they were about to war. But yeah, some consumers experienced a sense of unease, uh, even fear towards synthetic fabrics. And there was a particularly damaging news story suggesting that one method of producing nylon might be to use cadaverine, which is an, a chemical extracted from corpses. Oh, that's very yeah, very good for Halloween costumes. <laughs> just head to toe in nylon. Yeah, well, no, just like cadaverine. I'm like, cadaverine. what are you? What scent is that? Ah, it's eau de cadaverine. Mm, cadaverine. <laughs> it's pretty gross, isn't it? 
Yeah, but yes, during World War Two, nylon was diverted to the making of parachutes, which had previously been made of silk, oh. and it was eventually used to make glider tow ropes, aircraft fuel tanks, flak jackets, shoelaces, mosquito netting, and hammocks. I just love the bougiest possible parachute you can get. Like, this is authentic silk parachute. If I'm going to die, I'm going to die with style. Yeah. As you can probably tell, I went on a deep dive went, yeah, in my like research with Nylon uh. and DuPont. So much to say about them. But yes, there you go. You got it. Well done. Hell yeah. Okay, we're going to take another quick break. We'll be right back. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome back to the Saturday Quiz. My guests today are Michael Hing and Mark Fennell. We're up to question number five. If Christmas Eve 2022 falls on a Saturday, what day of the week was New Year's Day 2022? If Christmas Eve falls on a Saturday, mm-hmm. 25, 26, 27, so it's gotta be. So I want this year's New Year's Day. Are we allowed to use a pen and paper to work this out? Yes, you may. Okay, let's. I, I don't want to look at a calendar, but oh, this is my theory. <laughs> Okay, yes, so as long as the piece of paper isn't a calendar. I don't the know how many days there are in December because I feel like I can get my if I can get to what New Year's Eve is and going to be in the next couple of months, I can like add or minus a day for last year's. Yeah, but I, don't know I which dropped way out goes. of maths at the end of year ten. I just need you to know that. Like this is this is the level that you're working with right now. The twenty fourth <laughs> of December, twenty twenty two, is a Saturday. Is that what you said? Correct. You want to find out what the first of January. 2022 was yes that's okay. right uh, 30 days of september april june and november also 31. are you okay. just gonna draw a calendar calendar i'm doing i'm starting from january 1st i'm drawing the 365 <laughs> days needed there's got to be an easier way right so surely yeah it's called 24. google calendar <laughs> <laughs> so, we're, so wait the 31st of december that's the that's 365 days since january the first yeah 34, or 31st hmm? oh, i need a day not a number oh, oh wait 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 oh, you you say, need, oh wait saying, <laughs> christmas day yeah 2022 uh-huh. is the same day uh-huh. as new year's day 2023 that's right. right okay so so if january the 1st 2023 is a sunday mark what does january the 1st 2022 what is that it's either a saturday uh, or a monday uh I don't know which way it goes. I'm just going to start Friday. No, it can't be a Friday. It's a Saturday or a Monday, Mark. <laughs> I'm just going to say names of the week because I'm so broken by this question. <laughs> Let's say Monday. No, the answer is Saturday. Damn it. Ah. So it's... <laughs> it was we're very same. smart in other ways. What? We have other skills. Don, that, what? Look, i got to say, the way that question was phrased was a little bit tricky. Well, my plan, John, was, yes. to, was to work out how many days into the year we were, which I think was like 358 or something, because we were a week or so before 365, 
right? Right. Then divide that by seven and work out the remainder and go backwards that way. Oh, my. Um, see, I don't even know. And these like, are the kinds of puzzles you can see on SBS's <laughs> yeah. Sweeping Letters and Numbers Monday nights. They are, but obviously, usually I would go, "Hey, Lily, what are we?" <laughs> the, the first season of Celebrity Numbers and Letters, uh, I got a call. They they booked me to be on the show, and then I uh, and then lockdowns happened, and for a variety of reasons, I, I couldn't end up doing it. But I did kind of explain to them, like, you do understand that I am numbers illiterate, right? Like, I'm genuinely ca- like. I cannot do numbers. And then they just never called back for another series. Of <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question number six. Mm-hmm. Michael Myers is a masked killer in which film franchise that debuted in 1978? Halloween. Halloween. Austin there Powers. you go. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I had yes. to have one, you know, like I had to have one that I could just get out of the game. There you go. Easy. I'm yep. not even, we're not even going to talk about that. Just no. moving right along. Question number seven. A Maori greeting expressed by touching noses is, and this is a multiple choice, is it A, a hongi, B, a hungi, C, a tangi, or D, a taonga? Uh, I think it's hongi. It is hongi. Yeah, because yeah. uh, I did a bunch of episodes of stuff the British style about things that were taken from Maoris. Yeah, and of course were, you would. And it was quite beautiful, actually. They were talking about doing a hongi with um, some returned <gasps> human remains. And just, oh, wow. you know, just this, uh, it was a really beautiful episode. Um, and I was talking about just like the sense of rec- like these remains that had been away for, you know, well over a hundred years. And then they came back and the first thing they did was they did a, a hungi. And I was like, wow. I recognize you. Welcome back to your land. So yeah, yeah it's, it's actually, it's always stayed with me. And I apologize if I'm mispronouncing it because my, my, um, my, pronunci- I might be as well. My pronunciation on also is often not great as New Zealanders love to tell me. Um, but I try. Yes. Good. Well, do you know what the other ones are? Uh, the Do you know what hungi is? I don't no, know what hungi is. But, yeah, but tanga does ring a bell. I think it's, um, uh, what does it mean? Well, you would probably be familiar with tanga, the last one, D. Uh, it's a Maori, a Maori language word that refers to a treasured possession yeah. in oh, Maori yeah. culture. That's why yeah. it's come up. Yeah, yeah. Also, uh, you might be familiar with the third one c a tangi which uh its longer word is tangi hunger i i think or more commonly tangi is a traditional maori funeral rite held on a marae hmm. so um, yeah every time i interview maori about stolen objects it's always very powerful like their sense their sense of um objects that end up all around the world coming home like it's never not emotional talking to maori about returned objects so it's we've done two episodes about it of the podcast and it's it's always kind of left me a little bit like it's always left me very moved um, yeah yeah it's a, quite a it's a really fascinating fascinating history and, and living culture that i think it, i kind of wish you know like the way in which maori is kind of integrated within modern aotearoa new zealand life is is awesome and i think there's a lot of even though Australia and New Zealand are obviously quite different in some ways, uh, many ways, I think there's some lessons that we could definitely learn. Like that's just been my impression I've made, gotten from kind of doing stuff the British style. Like every time I talk to Maori people, I'm just like, ah, Australians could learn so much from the way New Zealand's handled this this stuff. Not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, like definitely not perfect in New Zealand, but there's some stuff I think we could definitely absorb. Yeah, yeah I completely agree. I, I think there's a, a there's somehow a level of respect that 
is really lacking in in our uh, in well in white Australia's interaction with, with its First Nations peoples. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but well done, you got that straight off. Question number eight: Maccabi Diva has won the Melbourne Cup three times. Name one of the four horses that has won it twice. That's so funny because I was like, sorry to be like, you're like Maccabi Diva. And I was like, is a horse. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and when you said one of the other horses, I'm like, I don't remember the other horses of the apocalypse. Only Maccabi Diva. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the four horses uh, of... The four horses the, of the apocalypse are Octagonal, that have won it uh, Farlap. Yeah, well, I did Farlap in it twice? Farlap is not one of the answers. Damn, Octagonal? Okay. Is that another one? No, I, I'll give you a clue. Uh-huh. Well, it's not really a clue. It's more of a um, a warning that all these horses won their two races well before any of us were born. Right, okay. So, so there's one like, that was is that it, did it in the 70s. Yes, Mark? Mr. Ed. <laughs> not no, Mr. Ed. No? No, incorrect. Uh, fine um, cotton. I don't know any old horses. Uh, <laughs> I don't know any old horses. Yeah, I guess one of the things about working at Triple J is you actually don't need to know about old horses. It's just like know about new horses, really. That's what we try and yeah. focus on. I only know about the horses that were stolen by the British. So <laughs> <laughs> One of these horses' names shares its name with a character created by J.M. Barry. Uh, Wendy, Peter Pan, Tinkerbell. Peter Pan. Peter Pan is the right answer. Of yeah. course it is. I, I, I didn't know J.M. Not... Barry was the author of um, of uh, Hook. Oh, sorry, of Peter Pan. I did not know of that. Peter Pan, yeah. Very well done. Peter Pan won it in 1932 and 1934. The first ever horse to win the Melbourne Cup. Do you know that horse's name? That was Mr. Sir Ed, surely. Edmund Barton. <laughs> Edmund Barton. <laughs> yeah, it was pre-Edmund Ed Barton, Barton even. Barton. It was in 1861 and 1862, and that horse's name was Archer. Uh, Rain Lover won it in 68 and 69, and Think Big won it in 74 and 75. Mm. All right, question number nine. What is the birth name of rapper and fashion designer... Yay. Oh, so this is Kanye West before he was Kanye West. Well, I think he was. I think it's it? Kanye was West. It, was he it? always Kanye West? Yeah, yeah he was I always like Kanye, Kanye, Kanye West. Oh, okay, well, then yes, Kanye yeah. West. Kanye West. Remembering that these questions are in the Saturday paper, which isn't necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> don't, you know. don't be nagging your audience. <laughs> That's our job. We'll do it for you. <laughs> what he's saying is that you're old and out of touch. That's that's what Johnny wants to say, and he can't verbalise it. I don't personally feel that way because I'm on a public broadcast <laughs> or two. You see the Kanye West thing this week? I don't know if um, obviously he's being pilloried right now for, um, or quite rightly for some <laughs> anti-Semitic comments. Yeah. Um, obviously he, he lost his deal with Adidas. I don't know if you saw this. But he's sort of going trying to try and do other shoe brands, trying to do collabs. So he turned up at Sketches, a shoe <laughs> brand. Yeah, unannounced and uninvited. Yeah, yeah, and so they had to be removed. So he's obviously a very unwell person in many ways. Yeah. But that doesn't excuse his behaviour, but, you know, it might explain no. parts of it. I do want him to and, just rock um, up to, like, a clogs factory in Denmark and be like, Yeah, or you come guys. to, like, Dunlop Follies for the, for the Yeezy collab. <laughs> I feel um, like that's actually, I mean, obviously just, like, putting the hyper-problematicness of, of Kanye to one side, I actually feel like Dunlop Follies and Kanye could be kind of, like, an interesting that could work yeah Yeah. but you know like i'm just like hiving the massively problematic parts off to the side of course Mm. for that thought experiment um, to work part of his ongoing cancellation 
it's not just losing all these deals and people canceling um, his uh, engagements and and um, you know shoe deals and stuff, but um, the wax museum Madame Two Swords has taken down the. <laughs> Kanye West statue. Yeah, when when Madame Two Swords is cancelling you, you've you've really you know you've done something oh, really bad. The famously like- woke Madame Two Swords. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the whole thing's a, a it's yuck. Yeah, messy, messy, messy. All right, we're up to the final question. Question number ten. It's another uh, maths kind of adjacent one. How many sides does a hendecagon? Have Hendecagon. Hendecagon. Yes, if I keep verbalizing it, it'll. If you keep saying it, maybe you'll. uh, Maybe you'll work it out. Let's go up. Right, triangle three, square four, pentagon five, hexagon six, seven. I reckon seven is like septagon. Eight is octagon. Mm. Nine nonagon. Decagon. Ten. Ten with decagon, I guess. Uh, uh, Eleventy gone. Leventy gone. Mm. So what's what's the what's Twelve the what's, what's the one we're trying to get to? Y- you tell me. Hendecagon. Hendecagon. I <laughs> no, see that was him trying to trick, trick yeah. you into giving us the answer. Yeah, yeah. No, I, and I, uh, I, I it's, uh, it it sounds and it sounds like. <laughs> so if 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 decagon is well, I love how you you count it up. What did you count up to? Uh, Maybe 10, 11? We got to 11, 11 gone. What did you call the 11 sided? We weren't sure. Uh, 11 gone is what we got to. Is it an 11 sided shape, Johnny? It is an 11 sided shape, guys. All, right. <laughs> All those in favor of renaming the Hanagon the 11 gone, say aye, please. Yeah, sure. 11 mm. gone. I, pre- I appreciate the support. All right, we're going to take one last break. We'll be right back. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Michael Hing, Mark Fennell, thank you guys so much for doing the quiz. You did really well. We get through it. You got through it. You got all the questions more or less correct. Basically. basically. Except for what was the one that you really you really missed? I can't even remember. There was a few. Oh, no, it was was the Christmas Eve, uh, New Year's Day one. If I didn't give it enough time, I think I could have been able to... uh... On a podcast, hearing someone scratch out a uh, full calendar is is not not going to fly. I'm afraid. Okay. But thank you guys for being on the show. And your shows, your TV shows, can be seen. Uh, Mark, your show can be seen on Tuesday night, Tuesday the first of November, and then the following <laughs> five Tuesdays after that. As is the fashion, they they they, they try not to move around the time slot if if possible. If they if have, possible. I've really screwed it up. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see that. And I've already seen your show, Hing, but if people want to see it, how can they watch it? You can log on to a little thing called ABC iView. Make yourself an account um, if you don't already have one. 
but I imagine if you listen to this, you probably are tech savvy enough to have an, AB, uh, an ABC IBU account. So uh, yeah, just find it there. Australia's best competition competition. I think it's going to get replayed on Monday night on the ABC. But um, oh, excellent! Get it on. Get it on IBU. You know, yeah, because yeah, because um, those streams count, and the ABC ones they don't necessarily count. So uh... <laughs> I watched it on IBU. It's actually funny. I came home the other night, and I was like, I, I the TV turned on, and it was on, and I was like, no, I'm going to go give them an IBU stream because I know what that matters to them. <laughs> yes, thank you, nice. thank you, Mark. I appreciate that. Nice. All right, guys. Well, it's been a treat. Lovely to have you on the show. See you next time. Hey, Johnny. See ya. Bye. That's it for another episode of the Saturday Quiz. I hope you enjoyed it. Thank you to my guests this week, Michael Hing and Mark Fennell. You can catch Michael's show, Australia's Best Competition Competition, on iView right now, and you'll be able to watch Mark's show, Stuff the British Stole, on the very same platform after it airs on TV on Tuesday. Also, just a reminder that it is entirely free to give this show a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and leave a glowing review, which does something to the algorithm. I don't really know how it works. But that activity pushes the show up the charts and then more people listen, which makes me happy. Because I'm not sure if you know this, but this is pretty much a one-man operation. I book the guests, record and edit the sessions and handle all the marketing and publicity myself. The one thing I don't do is write the questions, which I thank Cindy McDonald for doing so wonderfully every week. My name's John Leary and I'll have more questions for you same time next week. <laughs>